Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And we're having a phenomenal time in our tele-seminar series. We're about halfway through now, and today we'll be talking about science and spirituality and how those two elements of life have come together very closely in the last few years. We will be having an Ambassadors of Light program for all of you to engage in, which we'll be promoting very shortly. Please do go to my website, www.petertongue.com, and to www.myheartcenteredjourney.com for further information on all that we do. Today I'm delighted to have with me Christina Pearson, who has a beautiful, beautiful story to tell of her three children who all had different psychic awarenesses, abilities, gifts, and challenges. And uh, Christine has written a book about her experiences with her children. And I would, I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to give her the chance today to tell us some of the stories and give us some of the insights that she discovered. So, Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. I'm thrilled to be here. So why don't you begin straight away by telling us a little bit about how all this uh, developed for you right from the beginning with the children. Okay, well, um, I started with my first Connor. Um, he was the quiet one. But I had noticed um, just that he seemed to try to communicate and respond to me often telepathically. Um, it took me a long time to realize that that's what he was doing, and I sort of botched that one up by telling him, this wasn't, I, I can't understand you at all. What are you doing? You must speak. You have to speak. People use words here. Um, I had started at zero, really. I had no knowledge of anything metaphysical or psychic or spiritual at all. So, um, but very shortly after, Connor Emmett came along, and uh, Emmett was very verbal and not to be ignored. And he started to speak about his other mother. He started to speak about Jesus. Uh, he started to speak about angels and colors and things that he was seeing. And now this was very unusual because we were not a religious or spiritual family. And so I began to, as, uh, to try and find out what was going on, especially when things uh, turned a bit frightening. That was the big uh, turning point for me. That's where I really said, well, I have to figure out what is going on because angels and, and Jesus and colors are one thing, but something frightening. My job let, let me just hold you there for a moment. I just want to back check because there are some really important pieces you're going to bring up today for all adults who work with children need to know. And the first one you've already mentioned is the fact that these children have a natural ability to communicate telepathically, and we don't know that. And we don't know that they. That we don't know that they don't know that we don't know. So exactly. you actually have you actually have to say it, don't you? Yes. And he used to look at me, and I would ask him questions, or he would walk into a room, and there was something he wanted to say or, or wanted from me, and and he would look at me, and I could tell that he was looking at me as if almost pathetically, as if, come on, you can do this. I'm I'm giving. I'm doing the best that I can for you. You should be able to pick this up, and, and I, I couldn't, and it was only out of frustration, really, because by the time I said to him, you have to speak to me in words, I had, a, I had Emmett in my arms, so I was really very, very busy and not maybe kind of in the mindset or even in the state of knowledge that this could be real. There was always that part of me thinking, am I making this up? Am I imagining this? So the next piece that I just wanted to, to well, let me say first of all, so for, for those parents who have children who uh, are delayed in their speech, who don't start speaking at the, the typical age of a young child, pay attention to the fact that they may actually be communicating in a different way and you actually need to say in words that you need them to speak so that you can understand what they're saying. What they're saying, absolutely. And maybe not to make the mistake that I did in that particular situation and to say, to ask them to try and teach you what it is that they're doing because they are more than willing to teach. That's why they're here. Absolutely. So how old was Emmett when he started talking about 
angels and, and Jesus? Emmett was about four. He was quite young. Uh, he had never been uh, exposed to to anything, as I said, religious. Um, my husband was an atheist at the time. He's now, I think, agnostic. <laughs> and I just, I did, I, we just were not interested. We're not a family that talked about God or said prayers at dinner time or anything like this. Um, the most they knew was there was a little baby, and his name was Jesus, and his birthday was at Christmas, which they thought was great because they got presents. So we really were not religious at all. And so for this child to start talking about Jesus at all, uh, how he was in Jesus' tummy, which is in the book, and it was symbolic for the fact that he had a connection with Jesus. Um, missing Jesus, where is he? I can't find him. All this sort of stuff was so extraordinary and unusual. And, and I, I wrote it down, which I would, I would suggest every parent keeps a log of what these children are saying because it will come in handy later when you start to figure things out. I wrote this down, but I really could not find anybody who would help me in any in any real way. So um, another piece I just wanted to mention you've already covered, because there are a couple of things that we need to talk about, uh, particularly for you in terms of writing things down mm. and keeping the pictures that the kids yeah. drew, which was really, really important. And, and all of those illustrations are, are in your book. That's right. Um, so that is important. But I also wanted to ask the question what it's like, and I, and I, cause I, again, know about these circumstances from other families, but when he talked about his other mother, yes. how did that make you feel? Well, you know, strangely, I, it didn't bother me. I would have thought that it, it, I would have felt a bit affronted, and what do you mean, this other mother? Uh, he was too young to really go into depth about it. He said, she's just different from you, and she's not from here. And she told me that I'm special and I'm different. And um, I said, well, okay, but you still have to go to bed on time, and this is the situation that, was brought, that brought it up. Um, but I, I didn't feel affronted or I just sort of accepted that, that he felt that there was this other person who he was related to in a maternal way, who he you, interacted with. And do you now understand who she is? Well, he never wanted to really explain it, and I, I left it as it is. He asked me what's the name from some, for someone who wasn't here. She could be a spiritual mother. Um, she could be uh, the female energy. Uh, that he may have interacted with before he, he came here at this time, uh, or it could be from a different world or dimension. And it doesn't bother me. <laughs> and as long as he's not missing her now too much, that's good. <laughs> and, then, and then you just made another really, really important point, and as, a, as the school principal, I came up against this all the time, and that is that he's different. Yes. And therefore, the rules don't necessarily apply to me. <laughs> yes, yes. So how did you deal with that as a mother? Well, um, I just basically said, you are different, and, and we're all different, <laughs> but you've come down here for a reason, and, and I don't know what that reason is, but you've chosen to come down here, and I'm so glad that you did. But we have very basic rules that we have to follow. Now, not, out, not unreasonable rules, but rules that are fair for everyone. And it's bedtime now. That was the example that brought it up. And your brother is going to bed, and your sister is going to bed, and you need to go to bed, too, because it's good for you. You need sleep here, you know, on this plane down here. So basically just explain to him that there are certain rules that are there for him and that he has to follow while he's here. Um, but they would not be, I'd never, he's not a conformist. None of them are, and I wouldn't ask them to be conformist. That's very important. They are here to challenge ridiculous rules, rules that are controlling rules, rules that um, shouldn't be here, uh, that aren't to our benefit. So I just tried to explain to him that, well, he was very young, he was four or <laughs> five, four, that um, there are certain rules that are there for our benefit and those that we need to follow to keep organized and things like that. One of the, the sort of rules that, that you uh, were in, engaged in was, was putting him through confirmation and his decision Mm. not to actually become confirmed. I'd love you to explain that story. It's a very important one. Well, uh, at the time we were living in Ireland, and that is, of course, the confirmation. You have communion and confirmation. It's all part of the school uh, curriculum. It's, it's incorporated, so there is no separation of, of church and state. They say there is, but there isn't. And um, all the children were going through this and going through uh, confirmation. 
And he, he went through all of the instruction, really, until a few nights beforehand, maybe a week beforehand was where it first started, and he said to me, I, I don't think that I want to do this. And I said, why? And he wasn't willing at the time to sort of explain it to me, so I gave him space. I think that's very important. And I said that I was here, but I just wanted to understand why he didn't want to do it. And um, he came back the night beforehand, and he just said, look, I can't do this. I, I don't agree with what they're teaching. I don't agree with the belief system. I don't believe that I, I believe that I am, God is within me, and I am, there's part of me that is God. We're connected. I don't need anyone to interfere or to bless me or to communicate for me to God or to forgive me. I think that if there is a Holy Spirit, it's with me all the time, and I don't need this ceremony. And if I go ahead and do this, I will be a hypocrite. I, I don't believe in any of this. And so I said, well, then you don't need to do it. And um, so he didn't. What a wonderful decision for you to make, because there must have been some pressure from people around you or from the school um, for him to, to have to go through this process. And, and yet he... he was clear that he had his own direct connection and you supported. That was a wonderful decision you made at that point. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Well, I've always tried with them to, to, to have them to communicate with me so that I can understand, and that's really important, and, and, and that they make choices that grow their own soul. So whatever choices they make in life, big or small, that it's something that benefits their soul, that grows their soul, and that reflects the person that they are. And um, if something doesn't reflect who they are, I don't believe that they should be forced to do it. So I think, Christina, your three children chose, chose extremely carefully and thoughtfully when they chose you to be their mom. <laughs> going to, we're going to our break now, and uh, this is Peter Tongue with Christina Pearson for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. It's pretty scary, but I don't let it rattle it's me. It's scary around here, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to get me. I'm always me. wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This will all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council.
the new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And today I'm talking to Christina Pearson, who has written a book about the experiences that she had with her three children uh, growing up as psychically aware, consciously connected children, moving from a position of knowing nothing to becoming uh, a parent of of these three wonderful children. And as my experience as the school principal working with uh, the so-called indigo and crystal children in high school, um, I picked up a lot of information and understanding of these children. And I have to say... Christina's book is absolutely truthful and authentic in the way that these children operate and the way that they move through the world. And she gives some wonderful ways in which we can support them on their journey. And we'll come back to that later in the show. So, Christina, what I'd love you to do now is to to try and and help us understand why it's so hard for the children to actually describe their experiences to us. Yes. Okay, well, I mean, there's so many reasons. The, the first and most glaringly obvious one is, is, is verbal. Um, we're very limited anyway as adults in terms of being able to have the words to describe things. You often will see adults who have had extraordinary uh, spiritual experience or metaphysical kind of um, or ET experiences trying to explain what it is that they saw. And it always comes down, doesn't it, to the picture where they end up having to draw or they end up having to try and describe a feeling that something gave them because we are just so limited in words. So it's even harder for children who have smaller vocabularies and more limited vocabularies. That's why the drawing, I, as you know, I resorted to drawing, to having them draw to express and show me what it was that, that they had seen. The other thing, too, is that um, if something is otherworldly, the, the, the question of is it in its own dimension and projecting into ours? Is it fully in our dimension? Is only an aspect of this entity or energy or, or, or being within our dimension? And that can really change as well um, how someone perceives it. And finally, the last thing is that how we perceive anything um, is dictated by our beliefs and our experiences. So... Uh, two people can look at the same thing and perceive it differently depending on what their belief structure is, uh, depending on what their life experience has been. So all of these things converge onto this tiny little child who's having this amazing experience um, that it wants to, that he or she wants to share with us, and um, it limits their ability to kind of communicate. And that's why I would suggest that, uh, encouraging them to draw. I find even with adults after they've been through a meditation and have a multidimensional experience, which is what the children are experiencing in these uh, situations, to put that into into words or to a picture or, or to say it or to write it down, it limits the experience, doesn't it? And so it's, it's it, very it, it uh, frustrating to actually get the full um, sense of the situation out in some way. Absolutely. It's, it's a, our, our way of communicating and being able to explain is actually extremely limiting and uh, we don't realize it until we have to try and do exactly what you're saying there whether it's from a meditation or whether it's um, a child who's seeing or experiencing something to try and put things into words can be extraordinarily difficult and yet they try and they keep trying they keep trying to reach out to us so that we'll hear and we'll understand and we'll grow ourselves because that's really why they're here that's also part, part of the problem with the school system as well where uh, again, they're, they're, they're being forced to put things on paper in, in a writing format or a, a picture of things that they know much more about but have difficulty expressing. And I remember somewhere in the, in the book a situation where, again, I can't remember which, which child it was, but it was to do with the fact that they knew within themselves that what they were being taught wasn't the truth. 
Yes. And and uh, so so talk a little bit about that as well for us. Yes. Well, they were being taught that you can only live once, and this to them was really an affront. They couldn't believe that that anyone would even believe this, let alone teach it. And they have to be these children have to be given the confidence, uh, very young, that that people of authority get things wrong so that they don't think that they're wrong and deny them themselves, their own, their own knowing. Uh, so the, the, the teacher was saying, well, you only live once. And, and my, my son came home, it was Emmett, and said, Mom, they said this in school. I mean, what do you think? And I didn't say what I thought. I just said, well, what do you think? And out it came, well, of course you can live more than once. Um, living once would be silly, and then saying that sometimes if people had a bad experience here on earth, that they might remain with God where it was safe and there was love uh, as long as they needed to, or they could come back and have another experience, but they could never, that, that living once was silly, a silly idea. So that was their sort of take on it. And I said, okay, well, then that's what counts is what you believe and what you know. So they have that knowing. Uh, we had never discussed any kind of uh, reincarnation or anything like that. Again, they were quite young at this time, and I was still kind of searching around for answers. So I, I always deferred to them. I always just asked them, if they said, is this true, I would say, well, what do you think? And it's amazing what these kids have inside them when you ask them, if you just sit and listen. Now, the title of the, of, of the website and, and part title of the book is A Knowing. Is, yes. that why, is that why it's called that? Yes. That's why it's called that. This isn't something that they've been taught. They obviously haven't researched for years or anything like that. These aren't scholars. Uh, but they come into this world. They come to us with all this knowing, uh, a, a greater knowledge, um, a connection with the other side, an understanding of why we're here and of how things work and all this sort of stuff. And they, they have that innately within them. It's just a question of whether or not we're, we're willing to listen. So while we're at this juncture, why don't you give us the title of the website and the book and how people can access it? Okay, well, the title of the book is A Knowing, Living with Psychic Children. I have one main website, which is www.anowing.com, and you can get me at chris at anowing.com. I have also a Facebook page, which is underneath the... Um, the same name as the book, A Knowing Living with Psychic Children. And I have some other websites, too, which you can find through the com. And how do people get access to the book? They can order the book through Amazon Globally, uh, through Author House, which uh, authorhouse.com or .co.uk. And they can also get it through Squidoo, Booktopia, Flipkart. It seems to be up on so many websites that, that sell books. Uh, you can also ask your local bookseller to bring it in. Okay, fantastic. Now we are going to we are going to talk a little bit about the dark side, and and I really applaud you for including a chapter in your book, because it it was a very brave and really important thing to do. Because as you know, uh, many of these children are open to energies and entities that most of us uh, don't even know exist, and uh, it's a real situation and a challenging one for us to have to deal with. Mm. Uh, when working with these children. And it would have been tempting to leave it out, you know, in a typical New Age, everything's wonderful type situation. Yes. But you didn't do that, and you included that chapter and included some of the drawings that the, the children had done. So, so why did you choose to do that? Well, I chose to do it because I felt that it was so important because I never felt at my most... I, I felt my, at my most isolated. My mo I was most alone when the... the experiences of the children became negative. There was nowhere to turn, and, and there's nothing worse than seeing your child frightened for something that you can't see or trying to deal with something that you have no idea how to deal with or where it's coming from or what it is. And so I felt that um, the pressure that I was being put under not to put it into the book, um, and it would have been so easy not to, uh, was overridden by the need for parents to understand that this does happen and, and how, how it manifested with my kids and, and how I got around it, how we, how we sort of fixed the problem, as it were. It's also, I think, important for children who maybe are, are past that, maybe high schoolers or, or people who had these experiences as children who are adults now, uh, to look back and say, okay, um, I wasn't the only one. 
because as you said, this new age, everything's love and light. Um, what ends up happening is that when a child or a person starts to experience the negative aspect, the flip side of this coin, um, and they cannot find anything comforting or anything that will guide them, what ends up happening is they fall into a greater sense of fear. And that fear, that heightened state of fear, will only attract more of this negative activity. And so it becomes a very negative cycle, and it feeds on itself. And so and that, I wanted to try and avoid that by putting this in for others. And that is the key, isn't it, that, that when you, uh, the parent or the child, is taken into a place of fear and mm. doubt, the vibrations of the, of the, of the body, of the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual bodies, get lower, and that then makes you susceptible uh, to these, these energies, which are uh, then they're available to you to create some confusion and chaos, which is the way this works. So what we're going to be doing, in a, we're going to be going to our second break shortly, and I'm just going to give a little warning, as you do in the book, that after this next break, we're going to be spending a few minutes talking about some of the um, situations and incidents that have taken place in your world and your child's children's world mm. so that people get a bit of a sense of how this works. And, and I just want to reassure people um, that, I, again, I know from my own experience and from what uh, Christina has written in the book, that when you understand how this works, the solution to it is actually relatively easy. So by listening to Christina's explanation of some of the things that she and her children experienced, and getting a sense and an understanding of that, once you have that higher awareness and higher consciousness of that level of understanding, then the way in which you resolve it is actually relatively easy. But you need to hear the stories to understand how this works. And I've been through this process many times on behalf of uh, children and their families, and I know that uh, we, can, we can really, really help the children um, and the parents to come to a place of, of uh, no fear and comfort and love and harmony and happiness once we understand how this works. So, Christina, I'm going to take us to uh, the next break, and then we'll continue to discuss a knowing uh, with uh, living with psychic children and take a few minutes looking at how we resolve the dark side. Okay, sounds great. This is Peter Tung for Awakening for Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Uh, uh, <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. 
the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. And I'm talking today with Christina Pearson who has written a wonderful book that all parents and educators and adults who work with the gifted children of today should read. A Knowing uh, Living with Psychic Children is the title of the book, and her website is www.aknowing.com. And in the book, Christina has a chapter on the dark side and talks a little bit about the energies and entities that these children are aware of in their lives and how we can deal with them. So, Christina, just give us um, some insights into some of the experiences the children had with these darker energies. Okay. Well, of course, all this started uh, when they were quite young, and, and, and it started because I sat in a state of fear. I had been fine. Uh, I had been trying to maybe talk to people who really were not well-informed, and they said things that, that made me concerned for no reason, really. And so I began to worry, and I began to fear. And uh, suddenly, all of their experiences went from being of light and of love to being very, very frightening. Now, of course, I didn't realize at the time that I was the one drawing this. So here I'm sitting in a state of fear. I'm drawing negativity. I'm drawing negative entities and energies towards the house. But I can't see them, but my children can. And I can't interact with them in a conscious sort of a way that I'm aware of, but my children can so it was a very interesting uh, situation, learning, learning thing, uh, situation for all of us, but for, it was too bad that I, I actually had drawn this to, to the house. The, one of the things that I, I like the story of the black doorway because it was resolved. Um, the black doorway my son Emmett saw in his room hovering around the ceiling area, and it terrified him. There was this black doorway. Uh, he didn't know why it was there. I didn't know that it was a portal. I had no idea what we were dealing with. But I knew it wasn't good. Uh, and I couldn't think of anything. And this was going on now for days and weeks. And, and he was really in a state of fear. He didn't want to go into his room anymore. And out of desperation, I actually did the right thing. <laughs> I sat down with him. I gave him love. I held him. And I said, your friends with Jesus, ask him to help you to get rid of this doorway. And so he closed his little eyes, and he was very quiet for a few minutes, and then he said, okay. And the next thing, all of a sudden, these clouds and what he described as multicolored rain came. And at the minute that they came into his room, the black doorway disappeared, and these clouds and multicolored rain continued to follow him for quite some time. And we realized then later that these were angelic beings so that would be one example. Uh, we had bad smells that were unexplainable. We had um, an entity that claimed to be the van that destroyed God. We had um, an actual physical attack, which was quite frightening. Uh, and again, it was poor Emmett who was the, the focus of this, where just out of nowhere, he was screaming, stop, help, stop, stop, it hurts, stop, and we were, both my husband and I were right there. Nothing had happened. I had been reading bedtime stories to them pre, right, right before this happened. We stripped him down, and the next thing, these, these welts and red marks on the front and back of him, as if he had been squeezed by a very large hand, began to form, and he was terribly bruised from that experience. Um, so we had all kinds of things. We had these kind of ghoulish creatures. We had... Um, 
these entities that appeared to be attached to other people, um, um, cat-faced, what I would call cat-faced demons, all, all these kind of really frightening things that these children, my children were seeing, and I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know what to do with it, and I certainly didn't realize that, that I had started the ball rolling in terms of, of bringing the fear in around them. So what did you learn from, from these experiences? What, what was, what was the, the, the message that you needed to understand uh, to help you, you and your, your children clear these energies? What, what, was, what was there to learn from the four dark forces? Well, I think the very first thing is that nothing can really harm you. So you, who you really are, and, and there is nothing to fear. Now, we can choose to fear, and we can choose to sit in fear, and we can choose to wallow in it and, and, and experience all these things. Or we can choose to, to sit in love and sit in a state of love and light and confidence and know that we are always protected. It is, it is as simple as what Emmett did asking for help. Feeling love, which he felt as I held him and told him he was loved and protected, and asking for help. No fear. One of the, uh, one of the uh, ex- ex- I suppose, expressions that is used sometimes with, with children is by, by uh, doctors and psychologists would be that they have night terrors. What would be your explanation in your ch- children's experience for that? Yeah, I, I, I was told that as well initially as sort of a... Many of the doctors are just desperate. They don't know what what to tell you, and so night terrors came up, and, and it, it wasn't night terrors. I said, well, well, they're not confused when they wake up. They know exactly what's going on. They're often awake when I, I get there. They, they're also experiencing during the day, during the waking hours, so it can't be night terrors. That's just um, a way, I think, for the medical community to deal with something that they just don't know how to, to deal with. They don't know how to define. They don't it's beyond what it is that they're being taught or that they're looking at. Let's now get an understanding of what the actual uh, dark energies or entities are actually about. What are they actually doing and why, and, and, and how can we help them clear those energies? Okay. Well, uh, there's, there's two different types of categories that I put in, ones that are not of this world and ones that are of the earth. Um, the ones that are of the earth are the energies and entities that we've created through our negative thoughts or emotions or actions. And these things can grow exponentially uh, as they find like type of energies. That's one way they can grow. Uh, the other way they can grow is they, they, and, and become strong is, is to hang around other people uh, and begin to try and influence them make them feel depressed, make them feel angry, so that we begin to think and feel and act that out. And as we do that, we are giving them strength. So we have our own power. We choose whether or not we want to give our power and our energy to something else. That's a choice. But the, the key is to understand that it's a choice and understand that you don't have to choose to give that over. Um, what I do with the children is, um, they, and I have some of this in the book, is the psychic shield which is a way for them to basically close off their, their energy and secure it within themselves. And that's a very important thing to do. Uh, the other thing that uh, I, I have taught the children to do uh, is to do what I call a triple play. And one, it, the first part is to, to sit in love. So you think of someone or something that fills you with love because that's the great protector. That you're, when you sit in love, you're sitting in your own vibration. The second thing is to feel, imagine that you're under a warm shower or waterfall. And this is to ensure that your energy is fully contained within your body and that you're grounded. And then the third thing is to state, I will not hold any energy or emotion but my own. Any other energy or emotion must leave me and my space. And this is a very powerful thing. There are many ways to clear the space. There are many ways to do what I'm suggesting here about protecting yourself, it's not about the way you do it. It's the intention with, with, with which you do it. And you must do it with confidence and with um, a, a knowing that you are love and that you will sit in love and that nothing can harm you when you are doing that and when you're in that state. I think one of the important things for everybody to understand is that you yourself don't want to move into a place of anger or hatred or fear because that just 
takes you more and more into that vibration. And so it's having that level of confidence to know that deep down within yourself you are a loving being and that you actually can send loving vibrations to these energies and they'll very quickly dissipate because that frequency, they're either going to uh, make a move towards it or they're not very comfortable within that frequency and vibration. So the more uh, loving you can be, actually, the more, more, more powerful and the easier it is to overcome these, uh, these energies. Yeah, well, these children need two things. They need unconditional love and they need support. So even if a parent ha- is having a hard time accepting that this is real, you, the parent needs to, the, needs to accept that the child is experiencing something with which the parent has no um, experience or knowledge of, not denial. When you deny the child, you're, at, you're actually saying you're denying the self. You're asking the child to deny the self. You are not seeing that. That's a lie. These sort of things. So it's a, it, doing something like this, it, it, like that, it, it, it denies the child of self. It's, it's telling the child, it's putting the child in a place of isolation. But it's also you, your words and your approach to the child is actually feeding negative energy and attracting more of it. So we really have to be careful about and look at ourselves first and clear ourselves and say, okay, I may not understand what's going on, but I know that I love my children. And I know that I'm going to do whatever I can to help protect them and help support them in whatever it is they're going through. And I think the other point to to make is that the entities and energies themselves are separate from from source and from love, and they also need to be healed and returned back to they do, yes, and it was my, my son Emmett there that, that explained to me uh, that, that as in his little words, as he did, he was just saying, well, the... the so, Christina, we're going to have to go to the, to the break. We'll continue with that comment just afterwards. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit petertongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at petertongue.com. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away. But then, time passes and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately, because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You're 
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I'm talking today with Christina Pearson, who's written a wonderful book to help people understand what it's like living with psychically aware children. And if any of you are struggling with this particular area in your life, please feel free to contact Christina or myself. I also work in this area with children and families where there are challenges. Um, and so please uh, contact Christina through www.aknowing.com and me through www.petertongue.com. Uh, Christina, before the break, I cut you off at the end there. We were just about to say something about Emmett and his final comments about the dark energies. Yeah, I, he, he, I, he amazed me because what he said to me was basically the trouble with, as he put it, demons and things, is that they cause so much trouble because they're angry because they think that God doesn't love them and therefore they think that God that they don't deserve God's love. And they're angry when they see others who have not covered up their light and have not lost sight of the fact that we have light, that we are of God. And, and they see this connection, and they're, they're very jealous. And, and this is what a lot of it is, is anger, acting out, trying to get at us, trying to drag us down. So um, I thought that was an amazing insight from a child. Uh, but again, as we've said before, these kids just day in, day out, will knock your socks off in terms of what they're able, what they know, what they know. So, so if, just, if people are having problems, just there, are in the, there are in the book techniques as well, you know, at the end of the book for helping them. Absolutely. So helpful hints, I think they're called. Yes, they are. <laughs> so just knock our socks off now and, and tell us a few of the, of the most remarkable, wonderful things that you, your children have, uh, have come forward with. You know, some of it has been, there's been so much uh, that, that it has been difficult to kind of to, to try and pick something out. Uh, for example, um, Emmett, when he was young, wrote scrolls uh, that he would write from right to left, and he would write things on. Um, and it was um, insights into, into God and into us and into nature, like nature... Um, and God. Um, but they went on to do other things, like interact with other um, entities, interact with, um, as I said, with Jesus. My daughter, uh, Annis, at one point did uh, meditation. Uh, she had never meditated before. We were watching a, um, a, a movie, and it, it just talked about meditation was clearing your mind. So off she went. She decided she was going to meditate. And she sat down, and, and, and she was gone for a little while, and she came back in, and she she gave us a piece of paper that had um, a drawing of this horse-headed goddess who she called Samantha Koldana. And she said that, that this entity, this goddess, had given her three bits of information. So the first idea was, or concept was, why have materials if materials is not a life? And the second one was, if everything is everything, then what is individual? And the third is, needs are needs, but wants are distractions. And this I found very powerful, uh, because these are the major questions that we need to ask ourselves. Um, another one was when Emmett came to me, and he drew what he called our reality, our experience. Now, this is an amazing picture, and it is in the book, as is Samantha Koldana. And um, in this picture, he basically described our reality and how it works. Uh, he, he drew a box that represents what we know, which is our reality, and he drew uh, squares within the box that represented the passing of time as well as multiple dimensions. Now, these kids understand multiple dimensions, and they understand that there's no linear time, uh, something that they had to, to explain to me because I didn't understand it. Um, they talk about it. it talks, this particular picture reflects uh, alien activity um, and about our souls. If souls aren't ready to go back to heaven after they die, uh, that they can stay around here on earth until they realize they are loved or they decide that it's time for them to go. So they have a choice. Uh, we all have a choice about our own reality. If they don't believe, if a person doesn't believe that they're good, they can go down to where he drew where the demon is. 
but that they can return to the light anytime they want to. Now, this was an amazing concept to me, the idea that these children understand that we define our reality. We can choose to be frightened or we can choose to sit in love. We can choose to believe that we're not loved by God and, and live in fear and, and stay here on earth or, or experience what we would call hell. Or we can choose to accept the fact that we are loved and, and be embraced by the light. So they understand at a very young age that we define our, our reality from the beginning, from the time we're born and, and on, and onwards, even past what we would call death. Um, I believe it was Annette who once said, uh, who said about um, your eyes are not what, what you see with, it's, it's your mind, it's what you believe. And I asked her about that. And, and basically what she described was that our perceptions um, define what it is. I mean, our beliefs define what we perceive. So if we believe that something cannot exist, we will not see it, even if it's standing in front of us. So these are just a few examples of what these kids can share. I really love the Anith meditation because I think you describe in the book where the meditation is simply to relax, clear your mind, allow things to come. And then the three things that come are the three most profound things that you can, you can talk about, which is we're all one, um, don't have the emphasis on the material possessions, and once are distractions. And I know, again, from, from the work that we do, that distractions are one of the biggest uh, things we have to overcome to reconnect with, with the oneness, and that it's a free choice world. I mean, there, there's such profound insights that, that your children have, have, have offered uh, to us. It's just wonderful. Thank you. Well, uh, one of the scrolls that I was kind of stumbling over there earlier was he, he gave me, a, uh, Emmett gave me a group of three scrolls, and the first one was God made Jesus, and the second was for God and Jesus, life is them, and the third one was for nature, God is life. And he wasn't any older than maybe uh, five at the time that that happened. Um, he was probably more four or four and a half. And it's, it's remarkable, this idea of saying, okay, nature and God are, the, are, are one. You know, God is life for nature. You know, life is God. God is life. They, they seem to under, And they just, they'll walk in, they'll say something like this, or like what Annette said. They'll hand you the most profound things, and then they'll run off as if it was nothing. They'll run off and play. They'll go off and play. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So we're coming up to the end, end of the show, Chris, and I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, let, just offer a final comment to help reassure parents who are struggling with uh, not knowing. As you started off knowing nothing, and now you know a great deal, and you've done a tremendous job in assisting other people. Uh, I'm coming right to the end of the show, so just a final sentence would be wonderful from you. Just, it's never too, too late to learn. Uh, just reach out and, and don't sit in fear. Don't be afraid. Don't feel guilty that maybe you're starting late. Uh, that's a waste of energy and emotion. It's a low vibrating energy. Be, be happy. Be joyful that your children have been giving you this opportunity to learn and grow and to support them in their, um, in, in their life here. Christina, I really appreciate all of your comments today and the book. www.anoing.com uh, to get uh, into Christina's work. It really is profound, truthful, authentic material. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Peter. It was an honor. Thank you. Goodbye. So next week the show is uh, with Corey Herter, a wonderful young man who has tremendous insight into what is happening on the planet today. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, wishing you a wonderful week. found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.